It's my first time in Amsterdam, my first time in Holland, so I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I enjoy traveling and seeing new places and meeting new people. Don't often get to do it, actually. Uh, so it's lovely to be with you and to have met a number of you already. Uh, so greetings from Church of Christ the King, uh, CCK in, in Brighton. Uh, in case you don't know, we as a church feel very joined to you. You may not realize that, uh, but you are very much in, in our hearts and we pray for you often. Uh, I want you to, to know that and, uh, and be encouraged by that and uh, not to feel you're just in this on your own. We are standing uh, with you in, in prayer. So we're looking at this uh, series on the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus taught his disciples uh, many, many things. And one of them was uh, prayer, how to develop a purposeful, dynamic, and effective prayer life. And uh, we want to grow in that as well. You are probably in this meeting today because someone prayed for you. Uh, if you think about that, that, will, that would be true for most of you, that you are here today because someone prayed for you. And, and now that you're here and you are enjoying goods, God's goodness and grace and favor, he wants you to pray for others to be here as well. And in the passage that we're looking at today, there are some really helpful instructions and principles uh, for us to, to learn. I, I want to inject a bit of seriousness as well because it's very easy for us to be very casual about the Word of God. And uh, what you probably didn't know, and uh, I didn't know actually this until this week, uh, but in, in the United Kingdom, in the year 1519, so we are talking over 500 years ago, uh, seven parents uh, were burnt to death uh, for teaching their children these verses that we're looking at today. And uh, so that kind of gives us a kind of a, a seriousness about the words that we are looking at. Uh, it was illegal to teach the Bible in English uh, at that time uh, in the UK. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, uh, what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, just gonna, I'm not going to read the whole prayer, just going to read verses 5 to 10. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. He said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret." And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your Name. If you were here last week, that's what Tim was looking at. We're looking at verse 10 today, the next part of this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will 
be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I want us to ask some questions about the kingdom of God today, to, to get us thinking about what is the kingdom of God, because there's a lot of confusion about what the kingdom of God really is. And I think over the years, as I have grown in my understanding of what the kingdom of God is, as I've looked at the Bible and heard people talk about it, uh, understanding the answers to what the kingdom of God is all about has been one of the most encouraging, exciting, uh, and challenging aspects of my Christian life. So what is the kingdom of God? What actually is it? And I, and I reckon most of us, when we think kingdom, what we think is Disney, okay? That's, that's our concept of the kingdom. Uh, we've seen too many Disney films. And uh, Disney films, the, especially the classic old Disney films, uh, it's normally about a geographical area uh, that is governed by either a really bad or a really good king or queen. Uh, and that can be our concept of the, the, the kingdom uh, of God. Well, the kingdom of God is not a geographical area. It is wherever God's rule or reign is expressed. As it puts it in that verse 10, it's wherever his will is done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom of God is wherever God's will is done. So... I think we should be hopeful that as we are here today, worshiping God, asking him to do his will, the kingdom of God's gonna to come to us. Probably already has been coming as we've been enjoying him together. But it's not just limited to our being together. If you this week are doing the will of God where you are, you will see the kingdom come wherever you are. That may be where you live, that may be where you work or serve or study. I met a number of you this morning that your businesses are um, online and email and uh, you're in touch with nations. In terms of you doing the will of God in your business life, you can bring the kingdom of God to nations. Uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting concept to understand. So it does raise the question, why do we need to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That seems to imply that God's will is done differently in heaven to how it is done on earth. And, and that may present some problems for us because we think, well, isn't, isn't God in con complete control of everything? So how come we need to pray, let your kingdom come? Well, let me try and unravel this. Let me give you some bad news. Let me give you some, some good news. This is the bad news. When God created the human race, he wanted us to reign with him, and he, and he wanted us to reign on his behalf over creation. That is an amazing high privilege and responsibility uh, to be given. Unfortunately, we messed it up. If you read the early uh, chapters of Genesis, uh, you will see that we were deceived into believing that God was holding the best back from us. We wanted to be kings ourselves. We wanted to have our own kingdom of me. We wanted to do things my way. 
And so we rebelled and we disobeyed God. And that had catastrophic results. As a result of that, uh, sin came in, uh, death came in, evil came in to our universe. We were separated from the presence of God. And the Bible makes it very clear that at that point, God allowed the devil to come in and have a sphere of authority on earth. Uh, if you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it makes this very clear. It says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's with God's permission, but that is the reality. And his mission uh, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to oppose God and to oppose the people of God. That's the bad news, okay? This is the good news. I'm sure many of you will know this, but God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the world to bring in a change of government on earth, to re-establish the kingdom of God on planet earth. And to do that, he had to come as a warrior king. He had to come to destroy. He didn't come to destroy us, which is wonderful because that is what we deserve. But again, uh, in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That is good news. And when Jesus came, he came declaring the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is near. He, he talked about the kingdom of God all the time. You even read in the Acts of the Apostles uh, when Jesus rose from the dead and was uh, meeting with his disciples on a number of occasions, he was still talking all the time about the kingdom of God and explaining to them what it was and, and how it was to operate. But he didn't just talk about it, he lived as well. He, he, he lived in perfect submission to his Father's will. There's never been another person on the planet that's lived like that, that God's will was always done through Jesus, in his words, in his actions, and in his thoughts. So he spoke about the kingdom, he, he modeled it, and, and he demonstrated it in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cared for the poor, he, uh, he fed the hungry, he set free the oppressed. Uh, all of those wonderful things that Jesus did. But the best bit is this, the, the, the really fatal blow to the devil uh, was Jesus' death and resurrection. When he willingly laid down his life for us, when he took on himself the punishment that we deserved, and he died in our place. But as a perfect man, sin had no claim on him, and death could not hold him. And uh, so he rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And in that moment, it confirmed absolutely that he had defeated Satan and he had dealt with our sin. He had won for us forgiveness, adoption, and freedom. That is the amazing good news. He's reestablished the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now that still raises some questions. It still 
it still raises the question, if that is so, if the devil is defeated, then why, why is there still so much sin and evil in our world today? Well, here's, here's some more good news and not so good news. The, the devil has been defeated. Uh, that is absolutely clear. He's been fatally injured, but he has not yet been destroyed. And an illustration that might help you understand this a little bit, uh, all illustrations have their limitations, and this one does uh, as, as well. But uh, it, during World War II, when the USA uh, got involved in the war, Winston Churchill, uh, who was the Prime Minister of the, the UK at that time, uh, absolutely knew that the war was over. That was the decisive factor. The USA had come on board, they were in the war, therefore he knew from that moment on, the moment that they, they declared war on Japan, he knew the war is over, we have won. Now the reality was that there was, there was still a, many more battles to go. People were still needing to lay their lives down until that, that final victory was seen and evident. Now that illustration has its limitations, but it gives you some kind of idea uh, of the situation that we are now in. The devil has been de defeated, victory is assured, but we still need to fight until the day that Jesus comes again. For now, the devil still is able, although defeated, to still exert some significant control. But one day, Jesus is going to come, and, uh, and he is going to overthrow him, and uh, fully and finally. Probably my favorite verse in the Bible is 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 8. And it says about Jesus' return that he will overthrow him, that's the devil, with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. That's all it's going to take because he's already been defeated. So when Jesus comes again, it's just going to take a mere puff to destroy the devil and, uh, uh, who is a very real evil spiritual being. And then Jesus will usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth in all its fullness. The Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth, no more sin, no more evil, no more pain, no more death, no more tears, no more guilt, uh, no more sickness. The, the kingdom will come in in all its fullness. And if you're wondering, well, why, why the delay? Why, why doesn't God just do that now? Uh, well, the, the reason is God in his mercy and his compassion is waiting. He, he, wants, he wants a massive family from every nation, tribe, and tongue. The moment he comes, he has to wrap up everything. Uh, sin and evil has to be eradicated. And if, if, if that's not been dealt in our hearts by the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then we effectively are wiped out of the presence of God forever. And, 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 and God doesn't want to do that too quickly. Quickly, He wants to give maximum opportunity for people to respond and to come to know him. So we are in this unusual situation where the kingdom has come 
It's already among us because of what Jesus has come, but it's not yet here in its fullness. That will come when Jesus returns. So in the meantime, we pray. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, the, the, the kingdom of God is across the earth is, is, is being effective. Let me give you some statistics. Between 1960 and the year 2000, the number of evangelical Protestants in the world grew three times faster than the world population and two times faster than Islam. Now that may surprise you, and the reason is that most of that growth has occurred outside of Europe and North America. Like the rest of the world, at the moment, God's family is growing massively. Uh, not so much in Europe or in North America. And so one of our major jobs is to fight in prayer and to say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in Amsterdam. Your will be done in Holland. Your will be done in Europe as it is in heaven. And every time we pray, your kingdom come, it's like a declaration of war. Uh, Jesus came as a warrior to reestablish the kingdom of God. And he said, now you do it. You do it. The kingdom's here. It's not yet here in its fullness, but you can see more of the kingdom come in if you will keep declaring war on the enemy and saying your kingdom comes. So we're, we're called to fight. And it's a fight still that is behind enemy lines. But we are fighting from a position of victory, not for a position of victory. I hope you can see the difference because the devil has already been defeated. The outcome is sure and certain. And so we fight from a position of victory. That is so important for us. So my next question, what should we expect to see? In praying, your kingdom come, what should we expect to see? Because it helps to have some kind of idea of what we should expect, because that helps inform and shape our praying. I just want to mention three things, and two of them I'll probably have to mention very, very, very briefly before I just come on and, and, and just bring some personal applications uh, for us. The first thing we should expect to see is the church doing what Jesus did. That's, that's what we should expect to see. The church does what Jesus did. And when we say the church, if you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you trust him and rely on him, that, then that is you and me, okay? So we need to be doing the things that... Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? Let's, let's read it again. Political parties these days have what they call a manifesto, where they set out what they are going to do in their term of government. And, uh, and in Mark 4, uh, Luke 4, we have a few verses, uh, and, and many people say this is Jesus' manifesto. This is his declaration of the kingdom of God and, uh, and what he's going to do. It's Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus said this. He's quoting from Isaiah, but he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, and so you need to hear this. As this. This is our job description now, okay? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, that's your name, liberty to the captives, 
and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus' manifesto. And he didn't just live it, he trained 12 others to live it, and then he trained 72 others to live it, and then he commissioned all of us to get on every subsequent generation of believers to live out this kingdom manifesto. Now we need to understand that the kingdom of God isn't the same as the church. The kingdom is much bigger. It's wherever God's rule and God's will is expressed. It's bigger than the church, but the church is, is the agent for bringing in the kingdom. It's the church that implements the kingdom. In other words, we're not just passively praying, Lord, your kingdom come, and then waiting for him to do it. And we're not just sitting around waiting for Jesus' return. We are aggressively laying hold of his kingdom manifesto. That's what God wants his church to be like. And one of the main ways we do that is in prayer and, and praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our, our praying, I don't know if this characterizes your prayer life, but your praying is to be aggressive. It's to be full of faith. It is to be persevering and it is to be urgent because Jesus is coming back and he wants a big family. And so there's an urgency on us to be proclaimers and demonstrators and livers of the kingdom of God. So, so God has a massive family in heaven for all of eternity. And so we pray your kingdom come. Now, I don't know about you, prayer doesn't come naturally for me. I don't know many people that prayer comes naturally for. It is always an effort to pray. I'm very grateful for having served in the church that I have that has been, I'm sure, we, we have many weaknesses in our prayer life, but it, I, it, it has been a church that over the years has prayed and has prayed and has prayed. In fact, I, I wondered, when I was coming over here on the plane, I thought, I wonder how many prayer meetings I've been, because I've served in the church quite a few years, as you've heard, and I, I just quickly totted up, I reckon I have been in, in, in CCK, I have been in at least 5,000 prayer meetings. <laughs> and... When you're in 5,000 prayer meetings, you learn from others how to pray. You learn how to keep persevering in prayer when you don't feel like it, when it looks like nothing is happening. And uh, the more you are involved in praying, uh, and it is a priority in your life, the more that shapes your life. What is a priority for you in prayer becomes a priority for you in action. And, and so we should be, as we give ourselves to prayer, more and more demonstrating the kingdom of God in the way that Jesus did. And if you want an easy way to remember it, think of words, works, and wonders. Okay, that's three ways in which the kingdom of God came through Jesus. Through words, he taught constantly about the kingdom coming. We are to talk whenever we have the opportunity about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, whether that's publicly, whether it's privately. Words, works, Jesus cared for the poor. He cared for the poor. 
He had compassion for the poor. He looked at them and saw them as sheep without a shepherd. We're, we're to have the same in, in our hearts, to care for the poor. And, and works for us goes beyond that. I, I think uh, whenever we're seeking to live in our place of or work, uh, in, our, in our workplace with honesty and integrity, that, that is a work of the kingdom. We bring in the kingdom of God into that setting where we work, where you live, where you meet your neighbors. If you're seeking to bring something of the love of God to them in words and works, you're, you're, you're bringing the, the kingdom of God to your neighborhood. And, and so wherever we do the will of God, we bring in the kingdom of God. It's words, works, wonders. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set the oppressed free. We, we should be doing the same as well. I brought a book with me. The first person who asks for this little book can have it, okay? And you can pass it around amongst yourselves. This, uh, this was um, produced earlier this year by a young woman, not a young woman anymore, she's 40s, I think. So I don't know, if, can you call that young? Um, maybe 50s, actually. Um, young to me, anyway. Uh, but uh, she wrote this book um, after getting healed. In, in, she she uh, was a troubled woman in, in many ways. Uh, uh, suffered from anxiety, um, severe depression. Uh, she had uh, an eating disorder. And then in 2010, uh, she developed cancer of the esophagus. And uh, that, that is a very serious form of cancer uh, to get. They gave her chemotherapy. Uh, that didn't work. Um, she had a terrible fear of dying. She had a fear of swallowing, so to get cancer in her esophagus was horrible. They had to put a metal stent down, huge metal stent into her body so they could get fluids into her, her body. In, in 2000, towards the end of 2010, they said the chemotherapy hasn't worked. Uh, the cancer has also spread to your lungs and other parts of your body. We can do no more for you. You need to go home and put your affairs in order. Um, you, may, you may just make it to Christmas next year. And um, so for someone who has a fear of death uh, and suffers from depression and anxiety, this was a dark, dark time. And uh, lots of people were praying for her and uh, 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 including a, a, a guy from um, New Zealand who actually came over and prayed for her, who himself had cancer of the esophagus and had been healed of it. And when he prayed for her, just one of many, many prayer times praying for her, uh, he encouraged her. He said, start, start living in the favorable expectation of being healed. And uh, what I missed out on this journey, for me the biggest miracle was some months previously, a group of women who had been praying with her every week, prayed with her and God set her free from her fear of death. And it was, it was very remarkable uh, meeting with her uh, saying, actually, I'm ready to go and meet Jesus. I'm ready now. Beautiful moment. To me, that's the biggest miracle in the whole thing. Uh, but actually, on the basis of this word, she started to do things she hadn't done, live in the favorable expectation of healing. Uh, and so because she was expecting to die in a few months, she hadn't done anything to her hair for months. So she decided, I'm going to get my hair cut. I'm, I'm going to get it done as if I'm going to live. 
and she did, and she started taking all these different steps, and, uh, and, and her body started to get stronger, and uh, she started to eat, and uh, to cut a long story short, her, she, she didn't die. She cut it, started cutting down on all the pain-killing drugs she was on. It just get, got stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, some while after, she, she asked to be re-referred to the doctor. They didn't want to do it. Uh, they didn't want to see her. Um, but they didn't see the point. But she, in 2013, went through many, many, many tests. And all the cancer had gone, every single part of her body. Uh, uh, even the metal stent had gone. Uh, the metal stent had disappeared. And this is the account of it. Uh, all the medical reports in here, uh, all, all, the, all the notes, even a picture of the metal stent in her body. Um, beautiful. That is the kingdom of God coming to Liz's life. That is the kind of thing that God can do in response to us praying for people. I want to I wanna show you two, two other things that the kingdom of God coming looks like. One is growth. One is growth. You are growing. Uh, uh, that is the kingdom of God at work in you and, and through you. I encourage you to expect to continue growing. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, he told lots of parables and and. and, and because he was speaking to an agricultural economy, a lot of those parables were about sowing and reaping. But they are all about, if you keep sowing with words, works, and wonders, a harvest will come, and it will be a dramatic harvest. And, and so we should expect growth. Now, what we need to understand is, as in agriculture, there, there is often a gap between sowing and reaping. When you plant something, it doesn't grow the same day. It, it, you, well, you don't see it the same day. It takes weeks, months. My experience uh, of 30-plus years um, serving a church is never, ever give up on praying. Never, ever give up. Because you can think nothing's happening, and you get discouraged, and you lose heart. And... Uh, uh, God says, don't lose heart. The, the kingdom of God is about planting seeds, and those seeds will burst into life. They, there, is a, there is a growth that's, that will come. And it, my experience is sometimes the, the, the harvest can come through very quickly. Sometimes it takes years and years and years, and I could illustrate that in loads of ways. Let me just give you one example. Uh, when I when I was, um, before I worked for the church, I, I worked for a company in, in London uh, for five years. And uh, it was a small company, 30 people, everybody knew I was a Christian, and I had loads and loads of opportunities almost every day to talk about Jesus with people. It was a kind of open plan office, uh, so if one person asked me a question, everybody else heard, and then, some, so I was getting bombarded with questions all the time about my faith. Uh, and, and yet, to my knowledge, at that point, nobody um, expressed an interest in Jesus, said, I want to become a Christian now. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and, and there was one particular girl. It, it seemed like everybody was interested, apart from one particular girl that I worked with. She was a Malaysian, and uh, she sat uh, not far from me. And I, it annoyed me that she didn't ask about Jesus like everyone else. And so I used to pray for her. 
And uh, I used to have to get in and open the office up early. And uh, I, I, I would, when I went in, I'd open the office up early and often I would go and stand by her desk and, and effectively I'd be praying, let your kingdom come to Yang. Please, please open her eyes to see you. And uh, in the end I left and she was still there. And I had been gone some years and then I had a phone call from someone that I used to work with. And uh, we, we chatted and, and I, in closing the phone call, I said, by the way, I said, Yang's gone religious too now. And uh, I said, really? What, what do you mean by that? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to, I'll get her to ring you. And so they did. And she rang me. And uh, she, she had gone back to Malaysia to see her family. And she'd gone back to find that her mother, father, and five brothers had all become Christians in one church, and her five brothers were all now worship leaders in this one church. And she went with them, and she walked into that church, and she said the Spirit of God came on her. She knew she needed to become a Christian. She decided she wouldn't do it there. She wanted to get back to the UK, because that's where her life was. So she came back to the UK, just went into the first church in North London that she could find. Fortunately, it was a good one. And, uh, and she said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And, uh, and, and she did. And she uh, met a, a British guy in the church there. They married. And, uh, and for years, they've been running alpha courses in that church. It's led many people to Christ. Now, that wasn't, that, that wasn't all down to me but I believe I had a part in praying, God, let your kingdom come into Young's life. But it took years, it took years, and now there's a harvest. And often we don't know what the harvest is. We don't have to worry about the harvest. We just sow the seed, and, and we just trust the results with God because he's said that sowing the seeds of the kingdom will bring growth. And uh, the last thing on, on what we should expect to see, I wouldn't be in a... I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't say that there's, there's a warning here as well because the, the, all those parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God makes it very clear that there is also opposition. The devil's been defeated, but he hasn't yet been destroyed. He's not going to give up without a fight. And so you need to be warned. You need to know that if I'm giving myself to this, if I'm going to pray your kingdom come with others, if I'm going to seek to live this out where I live, where I work, there will be opposition. The enemy will not give up without a fight. And so as well as praying your kingdom come, we also need to be praying for each other and pray God help us to stand firm for you in the battles. Help us not to give up. Keep giving us boldness to keep sowing the seeds of the kingdom. Let me close just by bringing some applications. What, what does this stuff about the kingdom of God mean for me. And uh, I've just got five applications here. You just choose one of them, okay? Uh, five's too many, but just choose one of them. Okay, for some of you, it's a time to change kingdom. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know you all here. There may be some of you here that you, you've never met Jesus Christ personally. You, you need to know that there are only two kingdoms in this world. That's what the Bible says. There's the kingdom of, there's the kingdom of God or there's the kingdom of the devil. You're in one or the other. And there's an invitation to you today to transfer kingdom. God, God does that. When we come to him, he's the one that does that. We can't transfer this kingdom ourselves. It depends on him. And, uh, but we, 
when we come to him, when we relinquish our control of our lives and say, God, I want to give my life to you. I want you to take full control. The Holy Spirit takes us out of what is called the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of death, and he plants us in the kingdom of light. And there's an invitation to you today. Why would you not want to get into God's kingdom and leave that kingdom of darkness? So for some of you, it may be time to transfer kingdom. For some of you, the word today is it's time to resist. It's time to resist the devil. And uh, my question to you, is your personal life lined up with the kingdom of heaven? Can you say, yeah, to the... To, as much as I'm able, I'm seeking to live out the will of God in my life. I ask that question because I know in Brighton, and I'm sure you, you look much more holy than now people in Brighton, but uh, I, I know in, it, that in Brighton there are many Christians that, that, that would say they love Jesus, but their, their lives don't line up with that. And uh, they... they they're kind of almost trying to live in two kingdoms at the same time. They want to have a bit of Jesus, but they, they want what the world can offer as well. The Bible says you can't live that way. You can't serve two masters. And, uh, and, and whenever, we, whenever we give in to temptation to, to sin, uh, we, we get robbed. In, in that moment, we are rejecting God, and we're saying to the devil, Come into my life. You can steal and kill and destroy whenever we give in to temptation. So I, I want to say to you, whenever temptation comes to you, and that may come to you before the end of the meeting, later today, tomorrow, that temptation may be to steal, to lie, to hold a grudge, to have sex with someone, to click on a porn site. It can be a whole range of ways in which temptation comes to us. I want to say to you, resist the devil. Don't do it. Say no. You can do that. The Spirit of God is within you. Instead, submit to God. Bring, bring your life under his full authority. Say, I, I don't want the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy any more in my life. I want the kingdom of God to come and flood me more uh, fully. So it's, it's time to resist. The, the, the promise of the word of God is if you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. And the kingdom of God will come in in greater measure in your life and in your heart, okay? So time to transfer kingdom, time to resist. For some of you, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. I don't know if, you, if you're, you've got a good prayer life personally or whether you're part of the, the prayer life of this church together, but the moment you have a kingdom mentality, you, you begin to see the church differently. You see that the church is not a hospital it's a barracks. It's where soldiers live together and fight from. Okay, and, and so some of you, it's time to understand the church is not a hospital. The church isn't there for me. It's not there to just help me. The church is there to help you, but it's not there primarily for that. And sometimes we can see the church in that way, that it exists for me. It, it's there to help me feel better about myself. It's there to serve me. And we get, we get the priorities wrong. The moment we say, no, I'm part of an army. Uh, we're, we're praying your kingdom come. We're in war together. Then, then yes, God 
comes in and he uses us to pray for each other, encourage each other, heal each other, we get whole, we get restored, but it's from understanding this is a barracks and we need to declare war and pray your kingdom come. Personally, pray for your unsaved family, for the people that you work with or study amongst or your neighbors, pray for them. Pray that, your king, that God's kingdom will come to them. No one else will probably pray that for your neighbors, so why don't you pray it? Last two things, time to step out in your authority. Time to step out in the authority that Jesus has given you to pray and to heal the sick and to set free the oppressed. When, when did you last pray for someone to be healed? I want to provoke some of you. Uh, when did you last pray that way? The authority of the Holy Spirit is on you to pray in that kind of way. And it may be that this week some of you will meet someone who's unwell, pray for them. If my wife was here, she does this way, way better than me. She prays for people all the time. It's difficult to get anywhere because she keeps praying for, for people. Just a couple of months ago, she, she saw a guy in the street struggling with his breathing. She said, can I pray for you? Uh, and he said, well, I don't believe in God. And she said, it doesn't matter. I'll pray for you. He uh, prayed for him. He got significantly better. Uh, this atheist, he didn't know what to do with that. And, and, and she prayed with someone else sitting in a car. She could see they had some kind of oxygen thing. She said, can I pray for you? Again, this woman wasn't a Christian. She just prayed for her through the window of the car. And this woman started saying, oh, oh, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I feel so much better. So I don't know where all those stories will go. Uh, and, but it's sowing the seed and trusting that God will do the rest. He's the one that brings in the kingdom. We just need to be obedient. And lastly, for some of us, it's time to stand firm. You know, the kingdom of God doesn't always come in the way that we expect. The Jewish people expected that the Messiah would come and deliver them from the Romans. It wasn't what Jesus came to do at all. David was on the run from Saul for 20 years. Paul was in prison for years of his life. Joseph was unjustly put in prison, but the Bible makes it clear that God did that so that there was a, there was a rescue plan that came in for the Jewish people as a result of Joseph being in prison. The kingdom of God doesn't always come in the way that we expect. And some of you are experiencing that right now. You thought, I, I thought I was following God. I thought I was being obedient. And now it feels like I'm in prison. It feels like I'm trapped. And, and sometimes the kingdom of God works in that way. God knows what he is doing in your life. You need to stand firm. Okay, we're going to have communion. And uh, I, I, communion is an opportunity to come. And for me... A really helpful way for me to understand communion is, is because this represents what Jesus Christ has done for me through his death, through his resurrection, I, whenever I come to the table, I, 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 I try and ask, what do I want to exchange today? What do I want to give to God that I don't want to be carrying anymore, and what do I want to receive from God? So if, if I've been talking about this kingdom and stepping out and praying, you may feel I, I'm so timid, I'm so fearful. As you come to take the, the bread and the 
wine, bring your timidity to God. And, and because Jesus has said he'll meet with us when we take communion, expect to come away with his strength. If you want to come to the table with your sickness, uh, expect to come away. And it may be great to have, if there are prayer team, I know it's August, but uh, if you want someone to pray with you for physical healing, let, let's pray for each other. Uh, if you come with your sickness and expect to come away without it, uh, if you have a fear of death, if you're oppressed by that, expect to come to the table and feast on Jesus in a way that you'll go away without that fear, but instead a peace in your heart. So ask yourself, even now, as we come to sing a song about the kingdom of God, if we're going to do that one, ask God, what am I going to exchange? What am I going to bring? And uh, what am I going to receive from Jesus Christ this morning? And let's see the kingdom of God be at work in us today. Just to say, if you're not a Christian yet, then you can become a Christian even today. And um, please speak to me or somebody that you know here, because we'd love to introduce Jesus to you. And then you can come to the table and take the bread and the wine as well. This is a meal for those that know and love and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So shall we stand together? And I, let me just quickly pray. Father, we, we just want to say in these moments... Lord, please let your kingdom come among us as we again lift our eyes to you, worship you, as we eat this bread and drink this wine in remembrance of who you are and what, we've done, what you have done. We say, please, let your power come and uh, let, us, let us be changed by your presence in these moments so that as we go out from this place this week, as we serve in this city, as we live in our neighborhoods, whatever we're doing, I, I pray that your kingdom will come more fully to this city as a result of our being together today. In Jesus' name, amen.